Hello, my name is Pete. This is Social Disturb. Oh, man, I'm getting slower. Right, so Dido Harding is self-isolating. And so is her Tory MP husband, who is... What is he? He's like the chair of the Ethics Committee or something fucking ridiculous, isn't he? What's his name? I think his surname begins with M. Um, so that's good, isn't it? What a fucking... What is wrong with these people? Like, can't they just not get the fucking thing, you know? It doesn't exactly bode well when the people right at the forefront of trying to protect the rest of us are getting it. Even though, you know, old Johnson, is, well, he hasn't got it, he's, he's negative, but he's self-isolating. Anyway, it was quite a boring um, PMQs, uh, but we will look into that a little bit. And also, big headline, Joanna is uh, giving us the uh, lowdown on the new uh, restrictions coming in across Scotland. I think they come in on Friday, so that's really good. And a few other little bits and bobs also looking at the States where it's fucking going mad in the States at the moment. So we're going to be looking at that as well. So welcome to the show. Hi, so this is Joanna from Scotland. So we're not in lockdown at the moment. Instead, we have a tier system. There's five tiers, with one being very little restrictions in place and five being pretty much total lockdown. But I don't believe anywhere's in five yet. And where I live in five, we're in tier three. So, so far it's been advisable that we don't travel to another tier place that has a different tier from you unless it's for good reason but from friday we're not going to be allowed to leave our region without exceptional circumstances so i live in fife and i study in sterling and sterling is a tier four now I'm allowed to go there because it's for education, but that's it. So pretty much education or work, I guess, or exceptional circumstances. So it's going to become law. And I don't know what the fine or what have you is going to be. Apparently the police are not going to set up roadblocks, but if they do have reason to believe someone's traveling from one county, to another from one area to another then they will look into it so yeah well we'll see what happens thank you so much joanna and those fines by the way they start at 30 pounds but they go up to 60 pounds if you don't pay them within um, a month i think uh, and you can be fined up to 960 pounds i don't know why they just didn't you know go up to a grand but anyway they didn't so there are so if you are living in scotland and you're thinking of breaking the you know the law well don't 
do not break the law by oh, William Wallace that's uh, William Wallace is from Sterling um, is he from Sterling there's some Wallace connection William Wallace <laughs> uh, Joanna was saying that Sterling is um, you know Wallace country goodbye Covid dream though I never knew you at all you left your wallet on the particle and the folly particle it seems to me you lived your life like a covid in the wind never knowing who to turn to when the rains came in well i would have liked to know you but i was just a little kid the covid burned out long before the legend ever did oh, oh. I'm going to play you a few moments of an interview that um, John Hellman did with a science journalist called Laurie Garrett who studied as a, a scientist and then went into journalism and she won the Pulitzer in 1996, writing about Ebola. So her topic is, um, you know, infectious diseases and the impact on the immune system. And uh, she has been warning about COVID-19 right from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, she knows about this. She's kind of traveled the world hunting out infectious diseases and viruses and uh, here she is talking to John Hellman on his podcast which is called Hell and High Water which I think is supposed to be a kind of take on his surname it doesn't really work that does it but it's a good podcast and he's really good I heard you on TV the other day saying that it's as grim as it could possibly be exponential growth the edge of a precipice so deep I fear greatly for our nation so just how bad is it out there? Well, first of all, we've had two prior surges and they were both localized. So for example, in the spring, it was as bad as could be imagined here where I am in New York City, but most of the country had very little COVID going on. And there was a lot of skepticism in much of the rest of the country. Maybe there was something that the Northeast and the Pacific Northwest were doing wrong, quote unquote, but the rest of us were doing fine. The second surge was in the Deep South primarily and the Sun Belt, and that really came right off of Memorial Day weekend and everybody going out and partying and then got fed again by 4th of July and another round of partying and uh, looked pretty scary if you were sitting in certain places like Houston and Dallas and uh, Miami, but never really spread much beyond that region on a big scale. But now we are in an every single state at once serious epidemic. In every single state in the nation, the rate of new infections exceeds 3% of all individuals tested on any given day. And some states are popping above 8 9%, even 10% of all tests coming up positive. And what this means is that the hospitals are completely full. The intensive care units are backloaded. We have patients on gurneys 
it means once again we're seeing the refrigerator trucks driving up and parking outside the ERs to accept the deceased because the morgues are full. It means once again we're hearing sirens in the night all over America. But the big difference now is that there's no surge capacity for healthcare workers. When things were geographically located, it was possible for Utah to come help New York. But now Utah can't help Utah. New York can't help New York. We're understaffed everywhere. There's shortages of nurses, shortages of ambulance drivers, doctors, lab technicians, every single category of response to this epidemic. And the whole nation is going through it in one gigantic upheaval. And there is no sign of abatement anywhere. Only upward curves. So yesterday, President Trump uh, fired by tweets, this guy called Chris Krebs, Krebs, K-R-E-B-S, brilliant um, surname that. And Krebs was the, uh, the chief of the National Cybercrime election board or whatever the fuck that was called that I spoke about the other day (laughs) you know the guy that's basically in charge of making sure the election is safe and the other day they released a report that is on the other show about how it's the safest ever and so you know after doing that obviously like you know working for Trump He expected, apparently expected to be fired, and he was fired. President Trump tweeted that Chris Krebs' uh, statement last week calling the election the most secure in American history was, quote, highly inaccurate. After repeating false claims about the election, the president then announced that Krebs was being terminated as director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. A source tells NBC News that Krebs found out about it via Twitter and that he was upset because he took the work seriously. Krebs clashed with the White House over his agency's rumor control blog designed to combat false claims about election fraud and hacking, many of which the president and his supporters have touted. Last night, Krebs tweeted, honored to serve. We did it right. Defend today, secure tomorrow. He also retweeted a post from Mark Hamill in which the actor says Krebs was fired for refusing to lie. The former chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Republican Richard Burr, tweeted his support of Krebs, calling him a dedicated public servant who did a remarkable job during a challenging time. Burr commended the, quote, creative and innovative campaign the agency developed to promote cybersecurity and said it should serve as a model for other government agencies. So, so what, we, what, we, what we're... Thank you, Senator Burr. Yeah, I, I just would like to say you know, we you should point again, out... Senator Burr. So there we go. It's, you know, no surprise. Does it matter? Well, it doesn't really matter. Is it unprecedented? Well, of course it's unprecedented. <laughs> Um, will he, apparently Trump uh, said, oh, can we bomb some sites in, let's bomb some fucking nuclear sites in Iran, you know, I've only got a couple of weeks left, come on, let's have some fun. And the, you know, people in charge said, it's not a great idea, Don, not a great idea. So they managed to talk him off of that one. So, um, you know, what does it matter? Probably he'll get reinstated by... Uh, Biden, I expect he will, or Krebs, 
So, um, yeah, let's see. The National Audit Office has just released a uh, report called Investigation to Government Procurement During the COVID-19 Pandemic. And they conclude, we looked in detail at a sample of contracts selected on a risk basis. Although we found sufficient documentation for a number of procurements in our sample, we also found specific examples where there is insufficient documentation on key decisions or how risks such as perceived or actual conflicts of interest have been identified or managed. In addition, a number of contracts were awarded retrospectively or have not been published in a timely manner. This has diminished public transparency and the lack of adequate documentation means we cannot give assurance that government has adequately mitigated the increased risks arising from emergency procurement or applied appropriate commercial practices in all cases. While we recognise that these were exceptional circumstances, there are standards that the public sector will always need to apply if it is to maintain public trust. So, you know, strip away the polite uh, language. Basically, they are the government are being thrashed. <laughs> and who should have mentioned it today at PMQs? It's only Starmer. We learned this week that they can find £21 million of taxpayers' money to pay a go-between to deliver lucrative contracts to the Department of Health. £21 million. I remind the Prime Minister that a few weeks ago he couldn't find that amount of money for free school meals for kids over half term. More than half of all contracts relating to the pandemic, Mr Speaker, that's totalling £10.5 billion, were handed out without competitive tender. And that suppliers with political connections were ten times more likely to be awarded contracts. Mr Speaker, we're eight months into this crisis and the government is still making the same mistakes. Can the Prime Minister give a cast-iron assurance that from now on, from now on, all government contracts will be subject to proper process with full transparency and accountability? There we go. So, you know, a couple of things. First of all, we've got that PhD student's uh, work uh, linking up my little crony linking up, um, you know, the connections between um, some of these organisations and, you know, a lot. some of them are front companies, basically, um, you know, set up by their friends, the Tories' friends, uh, in order to get some of this lovely bit of fucking grift, isn't it? You know, get some of the lovely old money. And then you got this dude um, who's based in Spain who managed to get £21 million as a go-between, like old Starmer said. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. Fucking stinks to high heaven. So the National Audit Office, you know, congratulations. And it is now becoming a story, like it's a big story now. Um, will will it end? Well, probably it won't end. You know, I mean, there's nothing... The legal framework is there. But, of course, they don't give a shit if they're, uh, you know, told off by... That some obscure 
government agency. Do you know what I mean? So, of course, their uh, priority is to just do the grift as long as they can. Thank you very much. I run to the shop. Bump into everyone. Say, have you heard? Have you heard the news? There is a podcast called Social Distancer. Share it, like it, astound your friends. Everything you want to hear about. The greatest public health emergency in any of our lives. Four times a week and it is free. Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays and an omnibus on Sundays. Fucking great dance So uh, next show is on Friday and um, we're now going to think of the duck. The duck. I, I fear that the duck has been uh, not well represented in animation. You know, Donald Duck is just a bloody idiot. And Daffy Duck, what an irritating prick that guy is, Daffy Duck. Is there any good animated duck? Count Duckula is probably the best, but when you really think about it, you know, he's not really um, that good, is he? He's not really that good, Count Duckula. Nobody is uh, ever going to have him on even a top 50 list of best animated characters. Probably not even the top 100. You know, I'm not talking ironically. Ironically, you put him, what, number seven, maybe? Yeah. But if you were to really think of your top 100 animated characters, you're not going to have Count Duckaloo on there. And you would really not have, as an adult now, I'm not talking about, you know, maybe a five-year-old would have Daffy Duck and Donald Duck. But as an adult, looking back at the history of animation, a hundred characters, you're probably not going to have a duck. But anyway, in real life, though, there's quite something, aren't they? Beautiful coloured um, ribbons on their skin. Well, they're called feathers, I think. And they've got the old bill, haven't they? The old bill. And uh, there's the police officer to you. And, um, yeah, nice little headed duck. So, one, two, three. <laughs> Walk between the raindrops. And um, hope you like the song. I haven't done a song for a while. Uh, a friend of mine was talking about how the show has changed. And it has changed, hasn't it? Yeah. Someone else was saying, where's the, um, where's the mob boss gone? I don't know where the mob boss is. I heard he's on holiday. I don't know what that means, but that's how I've heard he is. But anyway, he's fucked off for the moment. So maybe may, may forever. Who knows? He's a bit like Jimmy Hoffa, that guy, you know. And, um, yeah, so next show is Friday. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening. Oh, also, one other thing, quickly, is that really today was the first day where we started to get our shit together for episode 200. And we've got a couple of really good things coming up in episode 200. It's in about two and a half weeks, something like that. Um, so that's it, it looks like it's going to be... A corker. All right. If you want to do a song, I don't think anybody is interested in doing a song. But we've got a song to play. But if you do want to send a song, then please do. 
uh, socialdistancepodcast.gmail.com. But I think I'm going to stop saying that because, you know, just send the bloody song if you want to. But nobody is sending me a song. So that's a bit of a clear indication that you're not interested in sending me a song. All right. Take care. Bye.